Hey everyone, welcome to the show, my so-called fabulous welcome again this week. We were talking to you last week about breast implant illness and explant, and Candace Barley is back again this week to share her incredible knowledge, and y'all, I... If you do go through this, I can only pray that you have a Candace Barley and a Dr. Robert Whitfield. And welcome back to the show, Candace. Thank hey. you. I'm so happy to be here. So great to see you again. And um, we talked about breast implant illness, what you and I have been through in last week's show. We talked about the symptoms. We talked about everything. I mean, did I miss something that we talked about? <laughs> we nope. hit it. We hit it. So please go back and listen to last week and you can hear exactly what we've gone through. Number 168, I, I, I say I came out and talked to you all about this and I'm going to share more uh, before the end of the year about what I'm going through. But Candace and I are talking about this today because you've asked. So let's say that you have decided that, okay, there may be something going on in my body. So we're bringing on Candace to talk about what is actually next and how you select that doctor. And then once you select your physician, Position, what's next? So tell us what's going on and welcome back. And I, I you are a, a such an amazing actress, and I would say former, but you're just not. I don't think it ever gets out of your blood, does it? No, definitely not. I love storytelling. That's kind of what led into me doing the photo documentary uh, around explant surgery and breast implant illness and going to surgery and taking pictures. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I will be back. Uh, yeah. You will be back. I know. I think it's once in your system. It never goes out. So yeah, good. Sure. We can't wait to watch. So, okay. We talked about you and I and what we've been through, which was um, very different stories. Yeah. Because, and I do want to bring this to people's attention. You may have different stories. Your body is different. Absolutely. I always say we're all bio-individual and the way that people handle inflammation is all different. Mm -hmm. So one person might have liver issues. The other person might have high C-reactive proteins. Another person might have headaches. It just depends on how your body handles stress and inflammation. Right. I think my top two, I know my top two was, and, and I can't even rank either one because they were so miserable, was GI issue, mm -hmm. chronic diarrhea, severe weight loss in 2023. Um, because it just got so bad and right. then severe joint pain. I mean, mm. just unexplained. I'm a healthy woman. I eat well. Um, you know, I, is there always room for improvement with your, we're going to talk about that too, how you change your lifestyle. But I, you know, when I was, I accidentally found this. I accidentally, I'd heard about it a little bit, um, but I really didn't zero in because my doctors had, majority had said, you should go to therapy. You need to check in this. You're 50 something years old. At the time I was 55. And um, you need to, um, you, if you go into therapy, you might want to talk about, because is there something else? Get on into depressants, um, anxiety, um, all of these things. And then menopause is a huge one. Right. So how this happened was I had a woman in my life that was on my podcast. She's been on multiple times, a neuroscientist that was having migraines, very sick, joint pain. She goes, Tippy, this could be you. And then I started and she sent me podcast. I say this because I did make an appointment with a plastic surgeon in my, the town I'm living, made the appointment. Meanwhile, treating my psoriasis and treating, um, my gut issues, I was taking steroids. 
right? Three months of heavy steroids. It wasn't even touching it. I went back for my pre-op 10 days before. And she said, oh, you can't, you can't have surgery because you're on steroids and you won't heal properly. Now, we were only taking the implants out. There was no uh, on block. There was no capsule. And if you listen to last week's show, there was none of that. And I cried and cried because, Candace, I was ready. I was so ready. I called Greg, my husband, and just said, I'm devastated. That is a God thing. Divine intervention right there. That is, I don't know what you believe, but the angels were, I, I'm telling you, and a fabulous surgeon, but wasn't going to do what you guys do. Yeah. So tell everyone how I was blessed. You want me to share? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So the importance and the reason that I believe that was complete divine intervention is because if the scar capsule had been left behind... It would not have been sent off for pathology, which is what we do with all of the scar capsule that we remove. We, Dr. Whitfield always does an on-block total capsulectomy. Then we would have not known that there is a potential for carcinoma in your capsule, which it came back inconclusive for carcinoma. So further testing has to be done. But if that is to have turned into something by the time you would have found it it would have been past the point right. of really being able to address right it in a healthy manner you know when krista told me and read my pathology report yeah i had no idea that i would ever hear the word carcinoma come out of anyone's mouth i just i just had no idea and if i wouldn't have gone to Dr. Whitfield, and he take a biopsy, help me with the words here, the biopsy, <clears throat> sorry, y'all, we wouldn't have known. Now, and I've had, um, Candace, I, I have mammograms every year, like, clock, clock, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have found it. No, they would not have, not until it was far enough along that you're looking at a much different road for recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, it limits your options. So to be able to, again, we don't know what this will turn out to be. We're just in the very early stages. But when we see that come back from pathology, so pathology is we, we take a small sample and we send that off for PCR testing. PCR testing is what looks at 100 and over 150 different types of biofilms, bacteria, and fungus. So that's where we're looking for basically infections. And I had that. You had that. Thanks. So, <laughs> but we take care of that uh, in in surgery. Dr. Whitfield has a very special protocol and how he cleans out the, the pocket to address any of those. And then the entire rest of the capsule, which is a large amount that is the tissue that, that covers the implant to protect your body from the foreign object, that is sent off to pathology. And that is where they look for cancers. Mm -hmm. So if you are to leave a capsule like that behind, that would continue to grow if there is something there. Right. And that is why implants, especially textured implants, which your implants are not textured, uh, have been recalled and the black box warning put on them because of the potential 
for these cancers to grow within the capsule. So any surgeon, in my opinion, that says that there is no reason to remove the capsule, that to me is the main reason. Right. It doesn't matter if it's rare. If you're that one person, it's everything. Mm -hmm. So why would you not? I mean, I, do I feel, I mean, I'm just kind of lost words, but would it, you're not going to look any different, right? I mean, it was, I mean. No, it's, the the issue is it's a, it's a more complex surgery. It takes longer for them to do. If they're primarily putting in breast implants, they don't have all of the special instruments that are required to remove the, the capsule. Um, and again, if they're not doing this on a day-to-day -day basis, the, the separating of the, the scar capsule from the chest wall, they're not experienced doing it. So it's it's not something they're comfortable with. Yeah. But in the hands of a, of a qualified explant surgeon, that, that's all they do. There's no reason or they would never leave the right. capsule behind. So the plan of action now for me, I mean, we went, I want a plan. I mean, I'm just that person where I just don't want to sit and I'm bugged y'all. Everyone in that office, I was texting and calling and everyone was so amazing. But finding now we go in, we have MRI, I'm doing a high risk assessment. Yes. I mean, bracket tests, things I thought yes. I would never, y'all. I didn't think I would ever, this would ever come out of my mouth. I thought my main concern was, what am I going to look like? Yeah. Am I going to feel better? I, when Krista said that to me, I would, you're the, on your staff, you know, it was just one. So now I'm at this big and you actually, Candace sent me a voice text and just said, you know, now we go, we've, we've had the opportunity. There's a silver lining. So with the doctor that you choose, it's so important. It's so important. So, yeah. So let's back up. I'm sorry, y'all. I did digress a little bit there, but um, it's so important um, when you are selecting this surgeon, you obviously feel good about this. You feel people travel from all over the world yes. to see you guys. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, just from my own personal experience, I met with several very well-known explant surgeons. And the one at the time that was like the one everyone was going to, I met with them and I didn't have a good feeling. Like it, it's not that I had any issues with their ability to perform the surgery, but I just knew it wasn't the right doctor for me. Right. Uh, bedside manner is important to me. And so I met with another surgeon who only did explant surgery, whose background was in microsurgery and, and oncology, which is Dr. Whitfield's as well as, as doing reconstruction, breast reconstruction after breast cancer. And so when they're a microsurgeon and they've done all of these things, they really are uh, pay attention to the details. And that's why doing this type of surgery and on block is very comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. And another thing that was very important to me and I feel is, is an important factor for women when they are looking for an explant surgeon is, are they still putting in breast implants? Because really and truly when you're regularly removing breast implants from women and you see the profound changes in their health, I don't see how you can continue to place breast implants right. unless it's a very special circumstance. But for the most part, uh, I don't see any reason that you, you would be able to do both. Right. And Dr. Whitfield has done 1,600 Yeah, I think we're up. We're getting up <laughs> to 1,700. Right yeah, we're getting up to 1,700 now. And um, he does not place breast implants. And even when he did, it was on, only for reconstruction 
or if he was fixing like a lot of times if someone had an issue like a capsular contracture or something from another surgeon, they would come to Dr. Whitfield to have those issues fixed. Right. But, uh, you know, he was very followed his patients very closely. If someone had an autoimmune or pre-existing condition, even if they it was for breast cancer reconstruction, he would still say it's not in your best interest. Right. You know, I talk about the power podcast as I have a podcast, but um, I have a friend that, um, Ashley, she's my angel too. She um, forwarded me you, uh, Dr. Whitfield and Skinny Confidential, mm-hmm. Lauren's um, podcast and said, you might want to listen to this. I just think it might, you know, you might want to sit. And I remember l- listening to that and going, I don't care where this surgeon is. I don't care. I'm going to fly to China to see him. I'm going to fly to Germany to see him. And he's on Walsh Tolson and Austin, which I've home in Austin, and I, I, I did. I felt I did fill out a query on a Sunday afternoon, and on Monday morning, Megan called me, and we had a conversation, and I was in the office within a month. So going into that office, I was sitting with you and Dr. Whitfield and Krista, and I was so discouraged because I couldn't get in for a long time. But I don't know. I know he's very booked. But I had work to do, right? Yeah. What is the work that needs to be done? You just don't walk in next week and have it done. Right. Well, with our patients, with our office, uh, what's very important for us is to really get a whole picture. So we do a lot of different functional testing from gut health. So we're looking at your, it's called a GI map, uh, just looking at the gut microbiome and any imbalances, looking for H. pylori and candida and all of those types of things. Total toxicity, incredibly important, which is the mold, the mycotoxins, environmental toxins, heavy metals. Uh, something that's very interesting on that is that I had been telling women that they shouldn't get in the sauna with their implants mm. because implants have never been tested to be heated up beyond body temperature. And I've even had some plastic surgeons come after me about that and say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, implants are put into, they have a thing that they sanitize stuff in that goes up to, you know, super high temperatures, 200, 300 degrees, and they don't melt. So that's ridiculous. Well, the difference is that this is in your body being heated up. And we know that anytime you heat up anything that's plasticized, that it breaks down. Mm. So heating something up in, you know, a, a medical device that's meant to get bacteria off versus heating something up in soft tissue that's inside your body is completely different and has never been tested. But what I can say that I have seen are the total toxicity tests of the women who regularly sauna. And the type of sauna? Type of sauna. Well, all these women are having infrareds Mm -hmm. uh, that go up to 170 degrees or they're getting in barrel saunas. Oh, gosh. So what we've seen is on a lot of these women who regularly sauna and heat their implants up, one, they feel terrible, most of them, after they do it, or they suddenly have rashes. They'll have an outbreak of some type of rash for a few days after. They feel uh, more tired for a few days. But we're seeing a higher rate of the heavy metals and chemicals that are associated with, with the implants. So, and then we're seeing those majorly drop off um, on their follow-up toxicity tests after explant and uh, and they're able to go sauna and do all those things after explant and they feel great. So 
that's been something very interesting and why it's important to look at total toxicity. We also look at your hormones and food sensitivity. We do a blood test that looks over 250 different types of foods to really gauge what type of inflammatory response your body has to these foods. Because what we're trying to do leading up to surgery is lower your inflammation as much as possible. We know we can only do so much while you have implants. We don't run any heavy detoxes. We never recommend women do heavy chelators and types of detoxes leading up to surgery because of this detox retox effect. So you have something that does have heavy metals and different chemical components to it. So if you're taking something that's meant to pull those things out of your body, you're potentially pulling those things out of the implant, which again, another test that I've seen, uh, which was very interesting is this woman who didn't know that did a heavy metal detox uh, with a practitioner and she had all types of heavy metals in her body, but the ones that were in the implants went up Ugh. and the ones that weren't that they were working on went down. So that's why we just, one of the many reasons that we don't recommend doing that. You'll have a lot of Herx reaction and different things because you're just recirculating more than you can handle when you have the implants is what we found. And then the most amazing test, in my opinion, is by the DNA company out of Toronto, which is a genetics test that looks at everything from cardiovascular, hormones, uh, how you sleep, eat, diet, exercise profile. But what we're really looking at is your main immune pathways. There's four, which is has to do with how you detox. First one is antioxidants, vitamin C. Everyone's heard of that. Um, it has a lot to do with your mitochondria and how you're being able to, um, you know, convert for energy. Methylation also has to do with energy. A lot of women are experiencing a lot of fatigue. Um, very popular. A lot of women have, you know, know whether or not they have the MTHFR gene, but there's actually a lot more that goes into the methylation pathway. And this looks at all of them. Uh, and then vitamin D has a lot to do with your immune system. Uh, we do look at, look at the vitamin D pathway. And then uh, really important is glucuronidation, glutathione. So most of our patients are, um, have an issue with that. So for me, all four of my main immune pathways do not function optimally. Mm -hmm. But because I know my genetics now, I am able to supplement based on those. And I feel better at 46 than I did even before I had implants. Wow. Because I, I mean, you can't change your DNA, mm -hmm. but it is a code. So you can fill in that code with the correct supplements. Wow. Amazing. I mean, the, the testing was a part because it did take time to get the, the test yes. back. So the waiting was, was the testing, which has given me, like you said, now I know I have the code. Yep. And I know what to do. That's right. Exactly. You know, when I went in to see you guys, um, I started a couple of months before I saw y'all because you're doing anything. We are doing anything to fix ourselves, right? right? Anything. I was doing the saunas and I would go and I'm like, well, let's kick it up a little higher. Mm -hmm. Let's go a little longer. And then I felt like, wow. Yep. And I'm like, this is just not working for me. And everyone loves it. And, and, but you're saying after the implants, you can sauna. Oh, yes. Once we clear you, which is around, it depends. It can be eight to 12 weeks, depending on what our functional practitioner feels you're ready for. But it is an incredible part of detoxing after explant mm -hmm. because you are able to really 
you know, force out and and detox from those water soluble um, toxins. A big thing also is taking binders. We are partnered with Cellcor. So taking a really good binder when you're doing sauna, uh, it just takes it to the next level as far as being able to really magnetize those toxins and move them out of your system. I haven't started detox yet. Um, we're working on that um, because I'm, gosh, four or five weeks now yes. in this podcast. So it takes some time, right? It does. And your body naturally starts to detox after you remove the implants because suddenly my saying is is that implants are the elephant in the room of your immune system. Mm-hmm. So once you remove that from your immune system, it's like, oh, wait yeah. a second. It starts handling all of these other systems that it really hasn't been able to focus on. So your body kind of goes through a natural detox process. So we're not trying to do too much to, you know, force that along. And then um, we start with the cell core phases as as you get further along. And we talked about last week that it is a process. Some people feel immediately better. Um, and then some people, it takes a process. I was, I was d- discouraged, but the medication I was taking, I, it, you know, that was, but... People have asked me, and I'm going to tell you now. So my issue, one huge issue, was diarrhea for four-plus years, y'all. I Krista had me log how many times I was going. I was going 15 times a day, so I'd put food in my mouth, and it would come through my body. So I had a woman. We created this, just like you. I mean, not, I, you know, starting this, this because I couldn't really find anyone to talk to. Okay. This woman from Bayron. Beharon, I think that's his name. She reached out to me through voice text midnight before my surgery the next morning and started sharing me. And she said, Tiffany, it went away. I had the same thing for four or five years. It went away. So I'm like, okay, I'm just staying. Okay, so I had to put in, you have anesthesia. You know, you're a little slow, you know, moving. Right. But I have to say, I'm a three time a day girl. That's a win. That is a win. Huge win. It's a win. It's a win. And Krista said it's just going to get better. Yes. So, and honestly, I would go to dinner at night and I'd have to Uber home and leave my family because I'm just feeling like icky. So it's a win. And I had to just throw that in because people did. Are you feeling better? Are you feeling better? Are you feeling better? I know. Well, it's, it's, you know, always been such a taboo subject to talk about, you know, poop, poop. (laughs) But let me just say it is so... It's it's how you move toxins out of your body. But yeah. then it's also if you're ha- struggling with chronic diarrhea, then you're not being able to absorb nutrients. Mm-hmm. So it's such a big point in, in, in part of our healing process with our patients. And Krista literally specializes in the gut. So, and it's, it's one of the questions that we ask in your consultation is, mm-hmm. are you constipated? Are you struggling with diarrhea? Because we've got to work on those things and we do try to, to gradually handle those things leading up to surgery. But again, there's only so much we can do in the, right with, with the implant. There is, but I mean, that's a win to me. So yeah, I'm getting much more, I mean, I'm just, it just takes time. It just it takes, takes time. time. Yes. Okay. So we... Let's get everyone ready for surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's booked. It's mm-hmm. booked now. What happens the day before? I know Dr. Rob's very big on, okay, this is what happens the day before, this way, the week, yeah. before, whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, the day, the week before, well, actually two weeks before is really where we're starting to make sure that you're, you know, not taking anything that could um, increase bleeding. So, of course, it, 
most of our patients, we're not having them take anything like Tylenol or sure. ibuprofen. or But you're really looking at like vitamin E's and really, really high levels of turmeric or things like that. So it, we have prep, call, prep calls with our patients with Krista, and they go over all of those types of things. Of course, in this process, um, one of the things that's very important is nutrition for our patients. And so we encourage them or highly, highly encourage them to have a gluten-free, dairy-free, process-free, wine-free diet, um, preferably alcohol-free, but some people that's difficult. So there's certain like organic tequila or something where they have a little bit, but wine is really high in mold and very high in, uh, you know, sugars and nitrates and different things like that. There's no real regulations on wine in, in the States. And then even when it comes from um, overseas, you're not quite sure what you're getting. So if you're in Italy, you're in a better place to be able to drink. But here for our patients, we say, uh, you know, that's that's the diet that we ask them to be on because all of those things increase inflammation. Right. So we're just about lowering that as much as possible. And so then after two weeks, um, as you know, the day before, generally, wherever you're going, you're going to have your pre-op, which is where they're going to go over all of the things that you, you know, need to do the night before. For us, we have um, certain pharmaceuticals that we have you take. We, we are very much a holistic practice, but it's still surgery. Right. And I love his anesthesia protocol so much. He has a really incredible group that he works with, but he has things that he takes, has you take the night before that lowers your, just calms your entire central nervous system. So when you come to surgery the next morning, you're not all ramped up. Anesthesia doesn't have to give you a bunch of gas to put you off to sleep. They don't have to give you a bunch of things to calm you down. All of these things are very important in how you wake up and how you recover. Something else that is just, uh, I don't really know of very many other surgeons that do this, but he does not put you on an antibiotic. Unbelievable. So most, so the, the standard is that you should have IV antibiotics half an hour or so before they make the first incision. So that does need to happen. That is what has been proven to work for preventing infection. But taking antibiotics afterwards to try to ward off any infection, well, that's very 1980s. <laughs> so, you know, the... And we, the, just the fact that we hardly ever, ever have an infection. He has like the lowest infection rate of anyone that I've seen. And we don't use drains. Yeah. It, and the, <laughs> I, have to, I have to go back because the antibiotics is not good for us gut girls. Right. And that's what he understands. Right. So if you put someone that's having chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation and we got their gut um, GI map back and it's a disaster and then we're going to put them on antibiotics you've just created a whole nother level of healing that they have to go through after surgery so um you know again we just have really really great recoveries as far as all of that is concerned and uh and and the fact that he doesn't use drains is yes. also a big one i had drains my best friend had drains uh, it was pretty funny because my best friend was taking care of me she had had explant two weeks before I did and so we're in a hotel room together and she's taking care of me and she had just had her drains out for a few days she had had hers for a long time and all of a sudden she was having a fever and was feeling terrible and she had an infection 
Mm. And so, um, and then the reason it's funny is because the doctor told her to send pictures and she sent it to a wrong number. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone wrote back. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So you have to be careful texting yes. those pictures. Yes. But, um, but then um, I had my dreams for about four days, super uncomfortable, painful. And then um, within 48 hours of removal, I had an infection. And so both of us had to be on antibiotics by the explant surgeons. And then both of us had to be on antibiotics again for the infection from the drains. I am so, so happy that I didn't have drains, but everyone's at wanting, wondering right now, how do you drain? Right. So, uh, you know, again, Dr. Whitfield's always looking for ways to, you yeah. know, improve on these things. And he was like, no one does. Tummy tucks used to always have drains. Right. Now everyone does a drain-free tummy tuck. Wow. So it's very similar in, in nature in that he just, you know, connects the pocket, makes a space for underneath the skin, for from the breast pocket down into the, you know, the tummy tissue to drain. Just opens the space. And then part of why we have these protocols in place afterwards, which is focused on lymphatic drainage, mm -hmm. is what helps to move that process along. Right. And so the body can handle an injury like this with this type of, um, you know, lymphatic drainage help. We get you in our hyperbaric oxygen yeah. chamber. And um, with the with the technique that he has, it all drains beautifully. Wow. I mean, the yeah. Balancer Pro, I've done that. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous you have one at I home. I have one at <laughs> home. They have a Balancer Light now for home use, and it's available for purchase, and mm -hmm. I don't want to give it back. So <laughs> bad. You're testing it. I know. I know I'm testing it, and I've tested it every single day. It is amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. So... The day after surgery is when, because I had surgery on a Thursday, I went in the balancer and the hyperbaric the yes. next day. Um, I just went to your office last week and Carol did a lymphatic drain on me, an, a lymphatic massage on me. I um, saw someone, and I say this because I'm sure there's a time and place for everything, uh -huh. but rough is not better when it comes to this, right? Well, rough is not lymphatic massage. Okay. Lymphatic massage is very, very soft. Okay. Um, your, your lymphatic is, you know, uh, fluid is just right underneath the surface. Yeah. So it's a very gentle touch. We always say if it's, if it's uh, any harder than this, it's not lymphatic. So we love for people to get in with Carol. Our, she's a certified lymphatic massage therapist, but she specializes in post-surgery, especially post-explant. So she really is uh, uh, the foundation of understanding how lymphatic massage should be, and especially after surgery. Absolutely. So, you know, and I had this conversation with you and Dr. Whitfield, especially the day of surgery, which I don't know what I was thinking, but um, I was, I was, I, before I had implants, which I was a D and I have mine right in front of me. These are 250 cc's um, gummy. Um, these were, I was a D mm -hmm. and um, before I had, and, and I knew I had some breast tissue before I had my implants. Being a B, I was happy. I don't, I, there was a lot of peer pressure. You can listen to the last show on this, but um, having these, I, w I was worried at 58, what am I going to look like? Because when I had an encapsulated breast, um, an implant back in 2011, he said, 
you will always come back in here every 10 years. You will always have it because you will look like a freak. That was the words I was using. Wow. Okay. So that was resonating in my head. And I know that I felt so bad that I was even going, you know what? I don't care what I look like, but in the back of your mind, you know. Mm-hmm. So when at, tell us, because I did a lift. We made the decision to do a lift and to do no fat transfer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what goes into the decision-making process for that? Sure. Uh, so as far as a lift or yes. not to lift mm-hmm. and fat transfer. Not okay. To- yes, absolutely. So when we're looking at breasts, Dr. Whitfield takes measurements. And if the breast is wide and the nipple complex low and a, a large, then that's where a lollipop lift, which is uh, yeah. what, what you had, is the best option because you're really able to lift the nipple complex. Um, Sometimes implants can really stretch out the areola, the colored part around the nipple. And so resizing that and lifting up that that area higher really gives a nice reshaping of the breast. Uh, If someone has not super wide breasts, but they have a lot of lax skin, then that's where we would recommend a donut lift, which is basically just taking excess skin around the nipple complex and tightening that up. And it just moves the nipple complex up a little bit, but mostly it just tightens the skin. Mm -hmm. Um, A common misconception is that the nipple comes off. It never comes off. That would compromise blood flow, sensation, all of those things. Just the skin around it is, it's not really a nice way to say it, but it's kind of peeled like an onion. It's very, very thin skin removed around it. And then the the tissue is tightened together. Nipple never comes off. Um, And then for fat transfer, that really comes down to, you know, one, how much tissue you have. If, If you have a lot of tissue, a fat transfer is not always necessary. A lot of women have implants, even if they have a lot of breasts, they did it to try to fill the upper pole. Mm. So natural breasts don't have a lot of upper pole fullness. So sometimes that still can be bothersome to women. So Dr. Whitfield will go in and do a fat transfer up in that upper quadrant to really help, you know, kind of smooth that slope. Or if you're very, very small, Um, doing a small fat transfer can really help with um, just the mindset and the, you know, uh, just a little bit of reconstruction. It's not, you're never going to get, so if you transfer 300 cc's of fat and you have had a 300 cc implant, that is not going to convert to the same size because implants stand up when you put them on a table like this, they're a cone, and fat spreads out. Right. So it's not going to be the same volume size, but it's going to give you nice shape and you can wear a sports, uh, you know, a a push-up bra and get some pretty cleavage. And that's something that I decided to do two years after my explant. Uh, I weeded, but I didn't have really any tissue after explant. I was very, very flat. And, uh, you know, back when I got my explant four years ago, there was a little bit more aggressive techniques going on at that time. So a little more tissue was taken. So the way that I healed was not ideal, but for me personally, just, you know, getting my health back. And also I feel like it was a very important part of myself 
journey to realize that I was more than my breast. It had been such an area of um, trauma in my life. So I, I feel like that time that I had where they weren't, you know, right. all that they could be uh, was very important in my healing right. emotionally. Emotionally. Yes. I love what you say about having a heart hug. Oh, my gosh. I think That's about it. It, it is, and I and I didn't realize until I started giving hugs. I love to hug, and that I had this these right in front of us, right in front of my heart. And you know, you hug differently because you can feel them, and so you don't really want to push them into other people. Right. I got these when my when my son was just I don't know he might have been one or two, so I felt like I'd never really been able to give him a heart to heart hug, and. I just, you hug differently and you can feel the energy exchange. And it's, it's, I always tell women, my favorite thing is hugs are different. That's true. That's true. So Candace, well, I've had women reach out to me and say privately, and please don't expose me because my husband or my partner would not want me yeah. to have no boobs. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm so blessed that my husband didn't know he knew me when I didn't have boobs. Yeah. Um, how do y'all address that? Because that's a sensitive, right? Tough. It is. Um, so it's it's kind of in two parts. Uh, Dr. Whitfield is very aware of that, and so he always, if if the spouse has not come with them, he encourages them to come back. He will do another consultation at at no charge to explain the reality of what he sees and what is truly going on. Um, to understand so that they can understand why this is such a, an important issue that needs to be resolved. And then a lot of times I personally will have conversations with these women. I've had many conversations in my DMs with women who whose spouses are a boob guy and um, they're concerned that it's going to greatly affect their relationship or their spouses just completely don't believe them. And um, I... I'm very protective of women, and uh, for me, I try to get them to understand and value themselves and love themselves enough to know that if someone truly loves them, they want them to be healthy. They want them to be well, and that you have so much more to offer than your breasts <laughs> and what breasts are truly for are for feeding your babies. Right. And that, you know, th that's, that's it. That's it. And they have been so sexualized. And that's, that's why to me, the fact that I, we talked about this in, in the last episode is that, you know, they're sexualized. You get implants to feel sexier, but then it affects your libido mm -hmm. and you don't want to have sex. So right. it's just this really crazy cycle and and we're just so much more right absolutely yeah. you know um i am at this point so um, my explants are out i'll start detox at some point when y'all think i'm ready um but i was in this huge hurry because i love your page i watch your page and you walk the walk and you talk the talk I was, we're, we're today actually, air purifiers, our water in our home is, is changing. I'm making my own coconut creamer. Yeah. I've, I've just selected different coffee, makeup, products, 
your skin's the largest organ, right? There's a, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Organic food. Yeah. So it's it's just one step at a time, though, right? One step at a time. You know, I, I feel like the, the best place to start is just looking at those things and seeing what you can eliminate. Yes. You know, and then switching those things out. You know, the, the food, air quality, you know, having a good air filter is very important. Um, skincare, because we see such high levels of parabens and phthalates and these things that are in skincare and makeup, it's it's a big one. Um, yeah. So, and just with many of our patients that we work with, having them change out their skincare, having them change out their makeup even wet wipes they were using that have certain chemicals they're using on their babies and they have these uh, unreal levels uh we see those things all go down just by them changing those things changing. out right so right and again i'm i'm like you heavy metals toxins yeah mold I'm in different environmental I, I do know water has a huge i mean drinking out of plastic bottles but how i grew up and what right. was in my water i know dr whitfield's talk about that as well too yeah. I want to address this because a lot of people, we did talk about this in the last one because they may choose a surgeon or a doctor or a practice that does not take the capsule out because financial. This is an expensive, anything you do with your health is very expensive. So what are you, what is, what is Dr. Whitfield's team? What are y'all doing to help counsel people on different ways of saving? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. At the cost of, of having surgery. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, we, we see it as a, a financial investment in your health. Yes. Um, there are, you know, we know that everybody can't come and have explant surgery with us. So that's why we do have, you know, the detox protocol set up to be able to be run remotely. 70% of our patients come from out of state wow. or even from around the world. So we really have worked hard to create a program that is uh, remote. Yeah. for that part of it. Mm -hmm. And there are good explant surgeons throughout the United States. So even if you, you know, need to get in sooner and can't get in soon enough with us, you could have explant surgery and still run the detox protocol with us. Um, but as far as saving, it's, it's a really, I mean, for me, it's a really sensitive subject because I want to be able to support these women. I want to be able to pay for explant surgery. Um, you know, at the time where at the state that I was as a single mom and and not being able to even work because I was so sick, my dad lent me the money for explant surgery. Um, and, you know, I, I don't. My goal, my dream is to someday have a foundation where I'm able to pay for women's explant right. surgery at least or at least be able to partially pay because some women are like I can get to this amount this right. is what I can save and um, because it is a very special technique and and because right now it, there's only a select amount of surgeons performing it uh, it is very expensive very it is when you start that can I be on board with you? Absolutely. I think we should have a complete I do. board I and do group do of, to, to be able to do that because the stories, I, I, you know, I don't want to get emotional, but the stories and the women that I work with it, just in my personal DMs are absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, I know, I know that they would recover 
by removing their implants. Absolutely. I think I told you, and I have, I, you know, this the community of women, it's just un- because they want to be heard. Yes. And just sharing my journey every day and, yes. you know, just doing that. But hearing from someone across the, the world say, I'm selling my home because I'm so miserable. Um, I just, yeah, I just, you know, you know what we want to do. So let's yeah. do it. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Well, you are amazing. Your entire team, everyone, I can't even list them all because I don't want to leave anyone out. It's been amazing. And and I know everyone's going to reach out that needs help <laughs> and they're going to talk to us. But your page, tell us how to find you on your page. You give the most fabulous advice. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so my Instagram is where I share a lot of a lot of advice and information and uh, talk in my daily stories, answering questions. I answer DMs as I'm able to get to them. And then I have a lot of resources on my website, which is, again, Holistico Life. And uh, I have a, a guide to explant, how to find an explant surgeon, questions to answer, uh, to ask, and the answers for interviewing explant surgeons. I have resources for protocols, um, things to switch out for air filters, for nutrition, for skincare, all of those things that I personally use and that have been very, very um, critical and crucial part of my healing and recovery. Right, right. Because we're not finished. Life's a journey. Yep. For sure. Your your page, Alistico Life, Italian for? Holistic. Holistic. Yes, because um, once I really got my health back and was feeling amazing, I had always wanted to go to Italy, and so I traveled to Italy by myself. Ah! Yeah, and walked the streets of Rome alone, and it was incredible. And all of this, I felt very empowered and felt like it was time for me to start sharing my story. And so I was like, it's about living a holistic life. It's if you if you have epic health, then you can live an epic life. And so then I was like, oh, I just can't see holistic life it's got to be <laughs> holistical life. i love it i That's love it beautiful. i love it so much thank you candace thank you. for all you do dr rob all of them thank you i just can't enough and and i appreciate you walking this next phase of my journey as well too Absolutely. So, yeah i know thank you everyone thank you so much for following along and listening our journeys i hope we you 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 learned something and share this with someone else that may need this information and you know what have a wonderful day wonderful week and keep being fabulous 